to the Louisville Clemens Chamber of Commerce podcast, your local business community resource. My name is Denise Heidel. Not only do I serve as your podcast host, but I'm also the executive director of the Louisville Clemens Chamber of Commerce. On behalf of the Chamber, thank you for listening and for your support of the Chamber business community. Good morning, everyone. This is Denise Heidel, your executive director of the Louisville Clemens Chamber of Commerce. Um, we're going to have a great episode today. We're going to be talking about processes and the challenges that a lot of businesses face. I'm joined today by Brian Schoonover um, with CI by Phoenix. Brian, I said your name right, didn't I? Yeah. That's oh, right. Okay, great. <laughs> I don't think I've ever asked you how you pronounce your last name. I've just always made an assumption. I always tell people carefully. <laughs> right, right. So uh, before we jump in with our conversation with Brian, let me give you a few updates on what is on the pipeline for the Louisville Clemens Chamber of Commerce. First of all, um, the day this releases is the deadline to register for our November chamber meeting. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know our headcount right now as we record this, but it is going to be a jam-packed meeting. If you did not register, I cannot guarantee you a seat if you if you don't uh, register early. So um, November the 9th by 10 a.m. You have to have your registration turned in. So we also have coming down the pipeline, a ribbon cutting. We're really excited. This is going to be an early morning ribbon cutting, um, 7.30 to 8.30 on Friday, November 17th. Um, we're going to be celebrating the second location for Louisville Family Counseling. So make sure you are um, signed up to attend that and come help us celebrate Jenny Locklear's uh, new location. And then the week after that, I cannot believe it. It feels like the year just started, but we are facing Thanksgiving. Um, the chamber office will be closed on Wednesday, the 22nd through Friday, the 24th. And of course, we will be back in the office on Monday, the 27th. So um, that's just a quick highlight of what's coming down the pipeline at the Louisville Clemens Chamber of Commerce. Of course, all that said, we also have our leads groups, our seasonal leads group, networking. We only have, well, as of recording today, two Mondays left, um, the November the 6th and the November the 13th. Then we will put a pause on networking until next March. Um, but... We have a lot of other exciting things coming up in December, including our third annual Leads Group Holiday Social that will be on Monday, December the 4th, and I'll be sending out details about that very soon. Um, so with all that said, Brian, let's uh, let's talk about you a little bit. Can you give us an introduction to you, um, what you do, and a little bit about your business? Uh, Roger that, sure. So... Um... Uh, started my life back probably back in 99 when I uh, graduated college. Uh, I had a biomedical engineering degree and, and I then moved to uh, Maryland where I started with a medical device company. I did that for uh, quite a few years. Um, spent some time with Missile Defense Agency um, and a couple other production uh, facilities out there. I used to work with the, uh, um, the ductile iron pipe foundry. Um, and uh, also construction. I used to have my own construction business for a little while. Um, but um, my passion has always been production and the flow and efficient movement of, of things in a facility. 
Um, and to that end, uh, I pursued that interest um, um, education-wise, um, picked up a uh, Lean Six Sigma black belt and a PMP through Villanova online um, during the time where I was laid off, ended up using my GI bill to kind of finance that. Um, and then also during some other times in my life, I had actually worked in production as production associates on the manufacturing floor doing that. So I feel like I have a, a unique perspective in manufacturing, not only on the white collar side, doing the engineering work and doing the process engineering work, but also as an associate on the floor, you know, producing the items. So I, I kind of have an understanding about what works and what doesn't work as far as change and um, and how to sustain how to sustain changes. We're going to take a quick pause from today's podcast to recognize one of our sponsors, Marzano Capital Group. Hi, this is Mike McGilvery, financial advisor and partner at Marzano Capital Group in Clemens. We are privileged to serve this great community, and we strive to help our clients by building wealth management plans tailored to their specific goals. Consistent client communication is the cornerstone of our process, and we hope to add value to your financial planning needs. Once again, thank you to Marzano Capital Group for their support of the Louisville Clemens Chamber of Commerce. And now, let's get back to the podcast. You know, that that dual um, responsibility that you've had between both the, the one who orchestrates the process and then the one who actually delivers against the process, that really does give you a unique perspective. Because, you know, a lot of times the people who make decisions are the people who never know how it actually works happens you know they they don't put the metal um or how does that saying go the the um what's the word i'm looking for brian you know what i'm trying to say that <laughs> phrase <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't think of it but they don't they the rubber doesn't meet the road i guess that's what i'm trying to say yeah. they don't mm-hmm. understand the um the actual impact their decisions make on the actual production so um you know, I, I really, you and I have had some great conversations about process and I know, you know, process and I love process. It's a it's very, yes. very much a, a part of what drives me. And I mean, I recently uh, shared this story with some of our chamber members and I'll, I'll just, if I, if you don't mind indulging me, mm-hmm. been 18 months working for a great clips franchise. I promise not cutting hair. I've got the scissor skills of a three-year-old, but it, <laughs> Um, I was the communications director. And one of the things that I quickly learned in my great clips career was the importance of culture and process. And the two go hand in hand, you know, a healthy culture often derives out of a healthy process. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you can't, you can't have, um, lackadaisical processes and, and a lack of structure and still expect to have good employee morale and, and expect to still have a good, healthy work culture. Mm-hmm. So um, I know what you do brings to the table. It's it's more than just efficiency. It actually would increase productivity, morale, and, and employee satisfaction. Absolutely. Absolutely. Basically, any KPI that a company tracks to, to measure its progress and its health, an efficient process just has a positive effect to those all across the board. And so when you, when you talk about change and um, from a management or a production associate, you know, you you have to look at it from a a symbiotic relationship. Like you were talking about between the culture and your process, it's a symbiotic relationship. You know, you can't change 
one part of a, uh, a company and not expect that to ripple out through the rest of the company, you know, over time. So you really have to manage it. You really have to um, think of it from sustainability and how to take care of this change that you implemented to make sure it stays, to make sure that, you know, we, we, we don't fall back. And that's one of the things that, you know, from a military background that, that I like to bring to the table is they taught us, you know, don't give up the hill after you, you fought so hard to get it. You know, don't, you know, uh, um, you know, it kind of comes becomes a wasted effort, you know. Right. And thank but, you for your service, by the way. Yeah, I do appreciate any of our military. So from your experience, let's let me let's talk about some of the challenges of process. I mean, because mm -hmm. sometimes the whole act of setting up a process can be really a daunting experience, but I'm sure you would agree with me. I know from my own experience with setting up process is it's never necessarily carved in stone. You know, it's, mm -hmm. a, work, it's a work in progress that you set it up, you figure out what works. And, you know, um, I used to work with a lady who had a saying and at the time I thought it was the dumbest saying I'd ever heard, <laughs> but after I really understood it, there's a lot of wisdom packed in it that you roll it out there and you iron it out. Mm. And so, I mean, it's a phrase I use all the time now. Uh, but at the time that she initially said it, I thought it was like, okay, I don't get it, but I do understand it now. And so I know for a lot of um, business owners, no matter what industry they're in, the whole idea of establishing process is just an incredibly daunting experience. Mm -hmm. But you know, the whole idea of it, of course, is to improve efficiency. Um, and then, of course, there's always these other trickle effects that we just mentioned. So what happens in your experience? What happens when a business operates with inefficiency? Uh, the best way I think I can answer that is probably draw a comparison. So say you have two companies, two manufacturing facilities, and they both produce widgets, right? right. Um, and they both need to produce about 100 widgets a month. Okay, you got company A and company B. So company A, let's say they're the efficient company and company B is not so much. So if we compare and contrast the two and look at the inefficient company and they got a, they have the same production demand as company A. So, but due to their inefficiencies, they're going to basically do more, do less with more, right? So it's going to take them more time. It's going to take them more people. It's going to take them more resources. It's going to take them more money to make a hundred widgets a month as compared to company A who's running efficiently. And so what those things do will eventually chew into your profit margin, chew into your culture, chew into all your KPIs, your safety, your quality, your customer satisfaction, your delivery rates, um, sales. I mean, basically all facets of it, of your company will will bleed to some effect due to, due to the inefficiency. And that causes stress on your managers because they've got to push out 100 widgets a day. And so due to inefficiencies, now we have to work weekends, we have to work longer, we have to hire more people to make demands, we, we, and, and due to the amount of defects you're making, um, that's a big issue too there is, you know, just touch on that real quick. You know, it costs a company two to three times more to make a defective product than a good product. I did not know that. I've never heard that stat. Mm -hmm. So as you think about it in a production facility, um, I used to work for a medical device company up in Maryland and we made incubators and warmers for NICUs, neonatal ICUs. And so when we, I mean, it's 
the the new high end product we come out with was about thirty thousand dollars this thing. And so when we make it, we want to produce it, send it to the customer. Well, sometimes there are defects in the manufacturing process. So this thing doesn't pass tests. It doesn't meet the quality standard as described by the FDA. So, so what happens to that product? We just scrap it and throw it away? No, it comes back and gets put into a, what I like to call the sub-process. So it's going to get pulled out of the main production line. It's going to sit over somewhere. You're going to have some other people uh, either retest it, replace parts. You know, you're putting it more extra time and labor and materials into that device to get it back up to par. Then you're going to put it back into the production line. And so that in of itself is a huge waste to a company. But companies do that because there's value in that product they made. And so they're trying to save the value. So now the profit margin to that defective product as compared to a quality product that went through one time pass is completely different. And so once again, as a manager, you have trouble saying how much money you made this month because now you have to go down another layer of, well, we we had a we had 15 faulty products and we basically lost it, <laughs> all our profit on those. So, but we still made a hundred widgets this month. Right. Okay. But we got the profit of 50. Right. So. And I mean, and I know your heart is in manufacturing, but this this is definitely a, a value that whether you're in manufacturing or not, mm-hmm. right, needs to be applied, period. You know, whether you're a restaurant, whether you're retail, whether you're manufacturing, whether you're an office. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's easy to to talk about this from, um, you know, the the really evident. Mm-hmm. processes you know where you where you do start with a point a to point b to point c to point d but um the impact of the efficient process i mean give us that high level overview and you know and let's let's talk about from the manufacturing perspective to you know maybe a more traditional office environment sure sure and then we i kind of use the manufacturing because like you said i have a right. i have a background in manufacturing that's just that's my love you know that's my jam right. Right there and it's very easy to see and use those example examples because there's a, a a tangible good that you can see flowing through you know and it and just like you said it becomes very nebulous when you get into offices real estate offices banks you know things where there's a lot of paperwork and flow and it's like well where is our process you know what what is the process well in lean manufacturing, a process is is basically your value stream, right? And your value stream is your flow of goods, materials, services, information from your supplier to your customer. So, you know, if we think of real estate, you know, it's it's the paperwork associated with selling a house. You know, if we look at a bank, it's the it's the loan paperwork, right? And that that and you have to look at it also from a cycle time, from the time the customer calls you and says, hey, I want a loan for X, Y, Z. And to the point where they receive that loan, that's your cycle time. It could be a month. It could be a week. You know, and so when you map out your value stream and you you look at the cycle time, now you have a real deep understanding about what your process looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to see the delays. You get to see, um, you know, that John received the paperwork, but it had errors on it. So that's a delay. Um, and by mapping the value stream, it brings a lot that a lot of that to light. Shows a lot of the um, the inefficiencies and the the flow issues in your value stream. Right. 
And, you know, and I, I know that a lot, I get excited about this stuff. Cause I'm like you, I like, I like <laughs> process and order and, you know, and at the chamber, you know, we have a, you know, a, a full-time person, me, and we have a part-time person, Janet. And, you know, so for us process is critically important because mm. I, and I hate to sound morbid here, but I call it the hit by the bus factor. If I get hit by a bus, Mm -hmm. Does anybody know how to put Clemens Community Day together? Yes, but there's a history of volunteers, but that that internal knowledge of what's happening in the chamber. So right. you know, I I mean, it's very time consuming to set up a process. But really, honestly, if you look at how busy you are, anybody, I don't care how busy you are, you don't have time to not make time for this. Mm -hmm. because Absolutely the 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 long-term impact in that in that situation where if your intellectual property for whatever reason suddenly disappears somebody else has to be able to pick up the ball or that whole legacy of everything you've worked for is gone absolutely and that's that's some of the issues with um what i call traditional management methods You're exactly right you have one point person that is has all the knowledge all the experience and therefore all the decision making power to do to lead the team and it becomes a single point failure to remove that person out of the process and you know that's that's a that's a critical critical issue you know we we look at things you know another tool we look at in lean is called the ishikawa diagram or a fishbone diagram and basically it you can write out the six it, it just shows the six things that can go wrong in a process you know man machine material method mother nature and measuring and so of those um man is is the most variable right um but but you want to make sure that every all those items in your process are, are checked and double checked and very good so what is a universal first step? So somebody who's listening to this are like, yeah, no, I've got to tighten up the process. I've got to figure this out. I'm overwhelmed by it. But what is the first step to either starting or tightening up a process? What would you, what, what advice would you give? Um, my, my first, first thought would be to, before you change anything, you have to understand it. You know, you, you can't be a be a mechanic and, and work on a car and not understand the car you know you can look at it and go i know it needs work where do i go and so for i like try to draw analogies between vehicles and, and companies you know where they run efficient and they run well you know and they, they meet and exceed my expectations and for that you know you have to map the value stream you you because you you as a manager think you know what your process is it goes to this goes to this and goes to this but 10 times out of 10, when you map that process out and actually show the flow of these goods, materials and information, it takes a lot longer. And there's a lot more issues in there that everybody deals with on a daily to deliver the goals and objectives um, <clears throat> as directed by management. Um, than what the manager truly understands and sees. And so that would be my first step is is to map that and then determine what your cycle time is you know as your manager saying hey we can deliver you 10 widgets in a week um can you <laughs> you know in theory yes but in actuality to your data it may say something different mm -hmm. 
And, you know, and you, you mentioned something I think is really key and really important, and that is the the importance of actually understanding it from a firsthand perspective. You've got to know what's happening. And again, this is goes back to a different part of my past career. I worked for um, a company where I was pretty convinced, okay, I'm, I won't name names, but I worked for an education company and I was pretty sure that a lot of decisions in education were being made by people who had never, ever interacted with a child. Now, I'm not an educator, <laughs> but, um, you know, that's not my field of expertise either, but, you know, I am a parent. And so, you know, sometimes I, I would see things cross my desk or these products. I'm like, have you ever met a kid? Have you ever interacted with a child? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot of times when I would see that, I would get frustrated because I was thinking, you know, the decision makers have no clue about children. They seem to be observing them through a pane of glass as if they are specimens to be observed. And so I think sometimes the best things these leaders can do, if they're if they're not the person who's on the manufacturing line, they don't have the technical abilities to build the car or whatever. Mm -hmm. You've got to pull in the people who know. If you don't know yourself, then you need to pull those people in like a focus group in order to build out that understanding in your own in your own mind. If you can't put the practical experience. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I always like to say, you know, you can't you can't change a machine unless you're in the machine. Right. You know, just like you're talking about. Absolutely. You know, you, you've got to get down there in the weeds and you have to see all this stuff from the item. You know, you have to actually walk this value stream line. Um, you know, I'll go back to my production example of manufacturing. You know, if you're wondering why it, it takes so long for a nut or a bolt or, or an, an item to, to go from one end to another, then physically go out there to the warehouse, stand there next to the item and watch it, you know, mm -hmm. wait for that item to get called and picked up and then walk with it you know, and it'll go, it'll go and sit and wait and wait. And it could be wait a day. And then finally the next day, it'll, it'll get used, move to its next step. And from lean manufacturing, we want to look at everything from a customer centric view, from a value add perspective. And so if what we're doing is not adding value to what the customer wants or, or not fulfilling the customer's needs, then it, then it's non-value added. You know, it, it kind of breaks it down to black and white like that. You know, and if it's non-value added, then and that's where your process engineering needs to come into play. Address that, get rid of that waste and and move on. Just like you were saying, you got to roll it out, iron it out. Absolutely. You know, it, it's always continuous improvement. You know, just because you you did an event, and you mapped the process. Awesome. You know, welcome to the journey. We're on step one. You know, get ready for the next couple of years because it's going to be fantastic. You know, we're going to change the culture. We're going to change the view, you know, the, and it, you know, if it, if it, if it doesn't work for one, it doesn't work for the team is, is where we come at this from, you know? So, and also I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but, um, yeah, you're good, but yeah, yeah. You definitely want to see, you know, from, from the point of your customer, you know, from. Yeah. You know, uh, one thing that I think that you have, just said that I think is really wise and we need, need to probably elaborate on it a little bit is if it doesn't work for one, it doesn't work for the team. You know, sometimes, you know, and I know I'm guilty of this. I'm a control freak, you know, <laughs> and I'm a shocker to everybody who's listening. Denise Heidel's a control freak. Um, 
sometimes we get so zeroed in on the way we think it should be done. We have a very mm-hmm. hard time letting go of that when the the decisions and what we're so determined is going to be right. Um, you know, we're, we just have a hard time letting that go. And, you know, I mean, again, I'm, I'm all over the place today. I've talked about my, my great clips career, my education career. Now I'm going to talk about my writing career. Okay. So I've had a little bit of a diverse background, but as a writer, that was one of the, the hard lessons I had to learn is that sometimes I may think I constructed the most beautiful sentence in the whole wide world, but it was out of place. There was no place to put it and it broke my heart, but sometimes I had to kill it because <laughs> It didn't work. It didn't add to the flow. And so again, that's not necessarily process, but that's that's my real life illustration. Sometimes I was so married to this one sentence that I would try yeah. to force an article around the sentence instead of accepting the fact it doesn't fit. It has to go. And so what would you say to somebody who has this vice grip on their own idea, but it just doesn't work in the process? That is, that is a tough thing, you know, and, and you have to get down and, and talk to them about what it is they want as a manager. And, and that's going to help them give it, get over the barrier that they're feeling as a person. Mm-hmm. And as a manager in that role, they're all common. They're all the same. And I don't mean to generalize or clump everybody all together, but, you know, I, I know for myself, you know, that when I go in and manage something, number one, what's my goal? I want it to be the best I can be, right? I want this to be the best that it can be. So so how do I do that? I got to make 100 widgets a month. And and that's what you want to do, right, manager? Yeah. All right. I want to make 100 quality widgets a month. I want to have no defects. I want to have, you know, uh, the blessing on the KPIs. I want my safety solid. I want my quality good. You know, I want it all. And it's kind of funny saying um, in manufacturing it's, that goes verily, verily, I say unto thee, you can only pick two of the three, quality, on time, or on budget. And that's oftentimes the struggle that managers have to pick because of their inefficient process, you know, and, it, and it's a it's a tough wall. And I'm here to tell you that by tightening up the processes and, and, and getting you there, you can quit making those hard, hard calls and hard decisions and, and, and let that go, you know, and it's a transformation. Like we're talking about even the dogs are excited. I know. I know. <laughs> I, so Brian is watching my dog just wallow all over me right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> I told you we keep it real here. So, but she's, she's not doing anything. So I'm not pushing yeah, her. It's great. Wants to snuggle. So, <laughs> you know, but, you know, it's it's all part of the journey. It's all part of the culture change, you know, and it, it's allowing your team to lead, you know, because you as a manager want what you want X amount of people in X amount of days to produce X amount of product. That's what you want. Let's cut it down and get to the basics of what you want. You know, do you really care how that gets done as long as the, the objectives are met, that it's quality and defect free and delivered on time and on budget? Not really, you know, not really. Yeah, I um, I think there's a lot of freedom to be found. Again, I'm, I am a control freak, but I have really started learning the art of delegation in the last mm-hmm. years. And, um, you know, and when you, when you have to learn that art of delegation and, and the, in the 
goal of a process, you have to, I mean, now believe me, there's some things that there's non-negotiable. The process has to be exactly this way. I am well aware of that. But, you know, sometimes you have to just let go of that vice grip and say, you know what, as long as they get from point A to point B as efficiently as possible, I'm not going to micromanage every single step. Um, So anyway, but that's a whole other topic and that's a whole other podcast conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. Keep going down. right. So, um, yeah, you know me, I have a raging case of shiny object syndrome, so I can get down another rabbit trail real fast here. But I want to know, Brian, you you clearly have a passion for this. I know you really love um, process. I know you love manufacturing. I know that, you know, that's that's the whole center of your business. Um, and we'll talk about where your business comes in in just a second. But I want to know what are your top three tips for someone who knows they need help. All right. Um, my top three. Um, I would say your your first thing is to do is stand up and create a CI department, continuous improvement department. Um, this is a group. It could be one or three or whatever many people, depending on the size of your, your company. And this is a group that's in charge of those processes. So all these issues, all these little Pinks in in your your company's process. This is late. This is slow. I'm having problems with this. You bring them all to your CI department. Number one, your process engineer, your manufacturing engineers. These guys are problem solvers. These this this is what they live for is to chew on that stuff, right? And then if you have a CI department, then you you need to change its mandate, the strategic mandate to say. Your job is to save this company money that's equal to or greater than your department's expenses. So, for instance, uh, I used to the, the pipe foundry I used to work at. I was making probably 60, 65 a year um, in that position as a process engineer. And so with that mentality, in the first month, I did a small project, saved the company 30 grand. So, you know, money wise, I'm, I'm halfway there. And so, you know, I was shooting for. To keep that trend, um, you know, I'm going to be keep shoot for to keep that trend going because now I've saved the company enough money that I just work for free for you. You know, I, I just saved you, you know, half my salary in the first month. Right. And and nothing, you know, and so now I'm not a burden on the payroll. I'm not another, you know, thing hanging on a tree waiting this thing down. I'm I'm actually doing the opposite, you know, and that's what your CI department should be doing. Um, and so the second thing is, is also remember that there isn't a problem that hasn't been solved. The the issue that you may be struggling with as a manager is you don't know the solution to this problem, but I bet you that problem has been solved somewhere else. So you can't have a problem without a solution. There's no black without white. There's no up without down, you know, it's kind of the yin and the yang of the universe, you know? So, you know, it's, there's a solution there. Um, and then number three, I would say, you know, it's a journey. It's, you know, for any kind of culture change um, that we're talking about, it's, it's definitely a journey. And it's it's a fantastic one. It is, it is such a good time to see, like you've ever done a Kaizen event, a rapid improvement event, just the, the, the amount of energy and thrill to have something fixed that is aggravating everybody, you know, after a week of, of a of a week long project, it's 
it's it's just a relief to to see everybody go, man, that's you know, just to have that feeling. Right. So so let's talk about CI by Phoenix and um, tell us a little bit about your company and where you come into the picture, what you offer. Okay. So CI by Phoenix, um, we're a continuous improvement company. We're, we're about the culture change. We're about, you know, if you don't work for the team and, you know, if you don't for one, don't work for the team. And what we bring to the table is we are a transition specialist, right? We're going to bridge that gap from inefficiency to efficiency, you know, just as our CI department, you're going to bring us problems. Well, that means there's an inefficient process somewhere. And after troubleshooting and working on it, we're going to make it efficient. So that's that's what we do is we bridge that gap. We develop your we develop your gap analysis and kind of map out where you're at today. What are your goals? What is your strategic vision? What is your objectives for this company for the next year, three years, five years? And can your company now support that does it have the capacity and the horsepower and the ability to meet these demands um to allow you to grow you know in order if, if you're going to grow then you've got to get your waste out of the way and i always like to draw the analogy of, of like a like you have an acre right acre of land and it's all overgrown weeds and brush it hasn't been touched in 30 years and it's just a mess but a lot of companies, what they do is, is, as far as improvement, they'll go right in the middle of the acreage, carve out an eight by eight section and put in a raised bed, raised garden bed, right? Till, mulch, nice landscaping, a couple flowers, and it looks really great. But if you don't maintain it, if you don't address the rest of the acre, if you don't continue that journey through the rest, then your chances of survival of that little raised bed is is uh reduces dramatically um so you, you have to stay with that um and also um yeah i think that's it <laughs> sorry started rabbit holing in my head so. no i mean i know that you are really good at your job i know that the businesses that work with you um you know it's like what you were saying with your top tips i mean hiring you actually could save a company money Right. Mm -hmm. so, I'm, absolutely. If I'm not saving you money, then I, I I'm doing something wrong, and and <laughs> I'm going the wrong direction. Right. So, um, no, I appreciate what you do. You've been a great value add to our chamber, um, and certainly I know to the local businesses that you work with. Uh, so, tell us how how somebody can get in touch with you. Uh, easy. Uh, email, phone, probably the best way. Um, uh, my email is uh b.schoonover at civiphoenix.com you might want to spell your last name yes uh <laughs> good call um i take it for granted uh it's s-c-h-o-o-n-o-v-e-r schoonover okay yep at civiphoenix.com and what's your and, phone number and phone number is uh 301-466-5167 all right well, you know, we have so much expertise at the Louisville Clemens Chamber of Commerce, and Brian's expertise is is a fairly unique industry within our chamber, and um, with his expertise and process, and like I said, I've, I I don't know, we've known each other now for what, a year and a half now, Brian, that you've mm -hmm. been a part of the chamber, right and, 
And every time I talk to Brian, I am just, I get excited because I love talking about this stuff with him and he's got such um, a wealth of wisdom um, in his expertise. So definitely reach out to Brian um, with CI by Phoenix and uh, learn more about how he can help you and your business um, with processes. So um, that is a wrap for this edition of the Louisville Columbus Chamber of Commerce. Thank you so much, Brian, for joining me today and for sharing your tips and your expertise with us. And as always, thank you for your support of the Louisville Clemens Chamber of Commerce. So um, everyone, we will be back with a new episode soon, but I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week and day. And um, of course, we're here for you if you need anything. So louisville-clemens.com. Have a great one. Once again, thank you for listening to the Louisville Clemens Chamber of Commerce podcast. The Louisville Clements Chamber of Commerce is a member-focused business community. I invite you to learn more about the Chamber by visiting our website, louisville-clemens.com. And while we're in the world of audio, it's time for the fine print. Everyone has an opinion, but in this case, the views and the opinions stated in this podcast are solely those of the contributors and not necessarily those of our distributors. So now that you've been appropriately advised, let me remind you that this podcast is copyrighted and cannot be reproduced without expressed written consent of the Louisville Clements Chamber of Commerce.